Mogul Motivation, educating and empowering entrepreneurs one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media. And I am your host, Antoine Twiz Taylor. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mogul Motivation. I am happy that you're back again. This week, we're going to start the new branch of the brand, which is Mogul Motivation Monday Conversation. And on this very first edition, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Robert Johnson. He is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Quintellos, Wood, Prieto, and Boyer Law Firm here in Chicago, Illinois. He is also a partner in that firm. He owns his own business, which is the Solomon Group. He's the managing partner of that, as well as the Leadwell Institute. Robert Johnson, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Antoine. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. So, Robert, I met you uh, in 2014 at a entrepreneurship conference held by Trinity United Church of Christ, um, and you gave a workshop presentation at that uh, conference. That's how I met you, and ever since then, you know, um, you have been a mentor to me. You have been um, very educational and empowering to me as a young black entrepreneur in my journey. So um, I thought it was only fitting that you give us some uh, insight into your entrepreneurial journey and how you got started from the beginning until where you are now. Can you give us some uh, insight on that. Sure, absolutely. And, and first of all, thank you again. And I'm, I'm very proud of you. So for all of those who are listening to Antoine, please keep an eye out on this young man because he's doing great things. And I'm truly uh, impressed with what I've seen. And I know he will continue to do great things. But as far as it, as my entrepreneurial journey is concerned, I really call myself a lawpreneur. Uh, I started probably my first com- company uh, with some friends of mine. I grew up in Fort Heights, uh, which is a a suburb right outside of Chicago. Um, a lot of people know of it as you know, one of the most economically depressed places in the country. Um, and, you know, we never saw ourselves that way, though. A lot of people from the outside look at us and look at our community that way, but we never saw ourselves that way. We thought we could be more and we thought we could do more and have more. And that's what uh, our orientation has always been. So at a very early age, we started our first company. Um, me and several friends, a company called Elite Business Enterprises. And our, our original aim back when we were about 12, 13 years old was to buy and sell real estate. Um, and that has always been sort of, uh, the, so that entrepreneurial spirit was fueled uh, from, from a very early age in terms of uh, thinking that there were opportunities out there that we could take advantage of. And that led me to ultimately become a lawyer because I wanted to learn as much as I could about the system and, and hopefully change the system. Uh, for the better. And that's basically what drives me. That's my why, is that I exist to try to create better opportunities for individuals, particularly folks that look like me and folks from my community, which ultimately led me to going to McDonald's Corporation uh, as an in-house attorney where I was there for about uh, 14 years. I was basically the, what I call the Olivia Pope of McDonald's. Okay. My job to make bad things go away. I was a fixer. So whenever somebody was, you know, injured, uh, raped, murdered, killed, stabbed, whatever, at a McDonald's. It was my job to make those things go away. Um, then I ended up doing something similar uh, when our employees got injured and ended up uh, creating the workers' comp program for uh, within the legal department for the, all of the corporately owned stores and did that for, uh, for a while and had a great deal of success with that. And then I went over to the business side and became the uh, company liaison for all the black McDonald's owner operators and um, work with a lot of other um, minority owner operators, or uh, in other words, entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. And that's when I really realized uh, the power of franchising, which is something that I'm passionate about in terms of trying to teach our folks 
how to franchise or how to grow their business in a, in a scalable way. Absolutely. Uh, because the issue that we have in our community, unfortunately, is that we don't own a lot of things. Um, and what I'm trying to do is uh, create wealth uh, and generate um, economic independence and, re and reduce unemployment and address some of the violence that I think stems from the fact that people don't have jobs and they don't have opportunity. Uh, it's not that our communities are not wealthy uh, from a intellectual capital standpoint that we're, we're not wealthy economically. Uh, so that's what I've decided to dedicate the rest of my life to, is to try to change that and reverse that tide. So that's what the Solomon Group does, uh, is to try to address the wealth inequality that, that exists within our community and other communities of color um, by teaching them economic principles, by teaching them business principles, teaching them franchising, teaching them how to own their own businesses, teaching them how to grow their businesses. Um, and then here at the law firm, I do the same thing in terms of trying to tackle inequality that exists in the law profession. Uh, fortunately, the law profession is very, uh, is, is one of the least diverse professions uh, there, uh, as there is. Um, that, less than 3% of lawyers are lawyers of color or, are black. Um, very few are Hispanic, very few are Asian. So as a chief diversity officer in the largest minority and woman law firm in the country, my job is to try to uh, address that from, from that platform. And then with the Lee Well Institute, again, um, trying to educate those folks that are in a corporate environment or those folks, uh, particularly of color, uh, on how to navigate within that corporate environment, how to be successful. Um, so everything that we do at Solomon Group, at uh, the uh, Lee Well Institute and Quinteros is really about trying to uplift people, uh, try to transform individuals and transform organizations. So. That's what I'm passionate about. That's my why and my goal is to try to make a million leaders before I die. So uh, we recently just uh, started this initiative called uh, Unleash and Launch. Uh, we kicked it off here in Chicago a couple of months ago. And the purpose of that is to uh, unleash the talents of a thousand black entrepreneurs and launch a thousand black businesses. So we partnered with an organization called the Live Free Campaign and they are our sponsor. And we're embarking upon a 25-city tour. I'm going from, from state to state to state to try to, um, like I said, create jobs, okay. create businesses in the black community to try to uh, become more self-sufficient and, and, and do what we can uh, to help folks gain economic independence and intellectual independence. Yeah. And when does that tour start? Uh, it started already. It okay, started, started. Uh, in March. started uh, in March. March. Uh, so... The next city, actually, we're going to do another one here. We were originally mm -hmm. going to go to Detroit, but we have such a, uh, a groundswell of, of support here in Chicago. They wanted us to do another one in Chicago, so we're looking at doing the next one in August. Um, date uh, is still being worked out. Mm -hmm. We're doing the next one in August, and then uh, going to Detroit, and then to Milwaukee, uh, and then keep going from city to city. But in the interim, in between the conferences, uh, we've developed a community economic development model that we think uh, we can employ to help uh, grow businesses and help launch a business in conjunction with faith-based organizations or churches, partnering with them to try to develop community funds that organizations and individuals can draw from to try to start businesses. So we're really excited about the potential that this has for us to become self-sufficient and for us to generate wealth in our community. Because as you know, the black dollar only stays in our community yeah. about seven hours before yeah. it goes out. So my goal is to try to address that and try to make sure that we have the dollar, the black dollar circulated in the black community for as long as possible. And then also at the same time, reduce unemployment. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And so, like, my question is, you know, you're from Fort Heights, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Markham, and, you know, it's similar situations. Right. You know, all of those south suburbs, predominantly black south suburbs, are very, a lot of them are in despair. I've just been blessed to have that seed in me that, you know, I just knew I wanted to do more. I wanted more out of life. Do you think the same is with you? Did you have any entrepreneurs in your family or did you have anybody who showed you the way? Because you said you and your friends just started a business. Like, how did that seed come about? You know, how did that initial thing grow? You know, that's a great question. And and for many years, I didn't think that I had entrepreneurs in my uh, to, as role models. But when I go back and look at it, I think the traditional definition of entrepreneurs, we think of somebody like a Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, Mark yeah. Cuban or Damon... Uh, uh, Damon Johns, when you think of those type of entrepreneurs, but in reality, there my community was full of entrepreneurs because most of us didn't have a corporate job. Yeah. You know, most of, a lot of people didn't have a quote you know job. Period. They were hustling. They were they were doing whatever they needed to do. But in my own family, um, it it didn't really dawn on me until you know several years ago that my mom and my grandmother were entrepreneurs. They were domestics, as is the polite term for them, but they were, they were maids. They would they clean people's houses for money. That's, how, that's what supported me my whole life. So my, my mother and my grandmother, they were my first role models in terms of entrepreneurs, but I didn't really look at it that way yeah. until I got older and realized that they never had a job job, you know, like went to a corporation or, you know, they literally supported themselves my whole life and so it's in my blood it's in my dna but i never really looked at it that way because i don't think you know we look at entrepreneurship the same way it's glamorized as it's sexy you know you own this you know company that you know employs all of these people but you know it kept food on the table every day for me and it put clothes on my back every day and they were entrepreneurs so um, I think we have to change the traditional stereotype, I think, or, or the, the image of what people think of as entrepreneurship. I mean, it's, it's however you are able to create a livable wage for yourself uh, and be able to afford to do the things that you want to do. That's entrepreneurship. So, um, I, again, I didn't think about it that way, but that's, what, that's, what, that's how I was raised, but I just never really thought of it that way. I thought I had to do the traditional go to school, go to college, get a job in a corporation, and that's how I was oriented. But there was always something that said, you know, let's do something else for ourselves as well. So I've always had a, a, some type of side gig, some type of hustle. I've always mm-hmm. done that. And that's just that's just part of who I am. And my friends are kind of the same way. But I think I've just been a little bit more aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting you say that because I, I think I have the same thing. You know, my grandmother, you know, I, I credit her as basically being the one that introduced me to entrepreneurship. But again, I didn't really look at it that way because she was like the neighborhood candy lady. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, as a kid, you know, it's like, oh, my grandma sells candy. But, you know, when I got older, I thought about it. I'm like, she really had a whole operation going. Exactly. You know, exactly. she had a whole operation going. And that's what really kind of what I reflect back on when I look at my entrepreneurship roots. And, um, you know, the thing is, how, what do you say to somebody who, you know, they want to start a business? Because, you know, again, everybody thinks you have to go through. The formalities, you know, a lot of people tell me that since they didn't go to college, they can't start a business. Like a, a guy legit told me that to my face. And, you know, I told him, you don't you don't need to think that way. That's, that's not true. Like, what do you tell? Because, you know, you got all these economic development programs going on, the Solomon Group, the Leewell Institute. What do you tell somebody who thinks like that? How do you help them change their mindset when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I'm never going to tell anybody not to go to college. There's nothing wrong with going to college. Of I mean, course. I got, I got several degrees, but what I would tell people is to read. That's what we don't do as a society. Unless, you know, it, it's funny, you pay all of this money, these, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get an education to get this stamp. But there are books that are free and you won't read them. You know, pretty much every person I know has a cell phone or iPad. So they have access to the internet, you know, the Wi-Fi is available for it. So you can always educate yourself without necessarily having to go to college. So that's the first thing is read. And particularly read those biographies or read those examples of people who've done what it is that you're trying to do. So that's the first thing. Um, and and look and read and observe. Uh, as a people, I think we're very creative. We're very resourceful. So all it all it takes is really uh, trying to identify where you can add value. Uh, and what I would submit that in our community, there are so many problems and so many opportunities to for improvement that just pick one. Just pick one that you are passionate about and that you think that you can add value to, and that is entrepreneurship. And then become educated about that, and then look for look for partners. Um, look for a lot of the the other mistake that I think a lot of people make is that they try to do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just why why do it by yourself if you can if you can partner with somebody. And that's why I'm so big on franchising because I've started a number of companies by myself, and it's tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but most businesses fail. Um, but if you can find a successful system that has already worked, and if the investment is, is minimal compared, compared to if you try to do everything yourself, and then you can be in business for yourself but not by yourself, it's a, it's a huge advantage. So um, I would say be open to uh, understanding different type of business models and realize that you, you can literally be an entrepreneur. entrepreneur I can't say the, say the word. You can be an entrepreneur now. Uh, with a with a car and a cell phone, you can drive for Uber, or you can just be an entrepreneur with just a cell phone. Yeah. I mean, the barriers to entry are a lot less than they used to be. You know, you don't have to have an office. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, have employees. You know, the game has changed. So I think everybody, I, and I encourage everybody to consider entrepreneurship, even if you got a nine to five, because of the tax advantages of, of just owning your own business, be able to write stuff off, and you know, just to get that experience. And more importantly, the legacy. We got to get to the back to the point where we own stuff. As a people, we were most the most successful when we owned our own. We got to get back to that. I absolutely agree. Uh, black Wall Street, you know, seems so long ago. And for every Black Wall Street, it was ten of those in the Jewish communities, the Italian communities, the Irish communities. Um, and the thing with us nowadays, we have like the stigma. We're fighting the stigma of black businesses. You know, we always think black is whack and white is right. You know, so. If, a, if it's a black photographer or, you know, a black baker or, you know, whatever it is, automatically we start to think negative about it. Um, and it's a couple reasons for that. You know, there are some black businesses that are poor with customer service. That's a fact. But then again, you know, you will go to Walmart in City A with poor customer service, but you will still go to Walmart in Absolutely. City B. Absolutely. You know, and we need to lose that mindset. Um, but I think it definitely starts with more people becoming entrepreneurs in our community, like you said. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I've had this exact conversation several times this week. And, you know, so I agree 150 percent about what you said. And what I'll also add is I'm dope at what I do. Mm -hmm. So I, there's no reason for me not to believe that there's not other black people that are dope. At what they do, absolutely. So that's absolutely. The, that. So I, I want to even turn it from the negative to the positive. I'm not saying black is whack. I'm great. I'm amazing. So I know 
that I ain't the only one. I'm just, there's nobody better than me, yep. but by the same token, I'm not better than anybody else. Yeah. So if we if we adopt that mentality as it as it as it uh, as it relates to to people that look like us, that's the beginning. You're, it's a mindset. The majority of things that happen that are that negatively impact my life did not occur as a result of black institutions or black businesses. So for me to just say um, black is whack is is ridiculous because it's it's not that often that I come into contact with black businesses or black entities. So the problems that exist in my life, from like you said, poor customer service or whatever, are largely not as a result of black black entities. Mm-hmm. So we just got to get away from that notion. Um, and 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 if there's an opportunity when you go into a black business where customer service is not where it should be, or the auto this or whatever, this is an opportunity to talk to that business owner and 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 give them feedback positive feedback in a constructive manner just like you know you would do from somebody else and or we want done for you so i think we got to stop being so hard on each other i mean because we put up with a lot of crap from a lot of other people but when with us it has to be pristine it has to be perfect it has to be and i'm not saying that we should settle for less but i'm saying that you got to be you know in my view you got to be a little bit more aware of the realities and how difficult it is for us to do stuff versus our competitors what would you say is the biggest struggle or one of the biggest struggles you've had as a black entrepreneur on your journey? Access to capital. I mean, I, and it's every entrepreneur, but it's particularly uh, a struggle for black entrepreneurs. Um, we don't have, uh, I mean, I give the example like a Mark Zuckerberg or one of these other guys. If somebody gives me a couple million dollars to start with, I think I can make that work. Absolutely. You know, I know so I could have. <laughs> I can make that work. I could have so, made a billion by yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, show me somebody who makes something from nothing, which is what most of us have to, has, have to do. You know, the Dana Johns bootstrapping concept. I mean, we, we don't often have the money to begin with. And as a result, if you do make a, a mistake, the mistake is usually fatal. So access to capital is, is usually the, the big issue because we got the ideas, we got the ability to carry them out, but we usually just don't have the money. Um, and it's not often that we, we can't go to banks uh, with the same frequency. We don't have access to angel investors, you know, wealthy individuals who want to back an idea. Yeah. Uh, and then if the idea fails, they give you more money. That's what happens to, for our counterparts. That don't happen for us. It, it's hard for them. They're stingy on the money on the front end, and if any hiccup happens... It dries up. So that's the biggest thing. And that's why it goes back to us being able to pool our own funds, be able to develop our own uh, investors, develop our own funding sources so that we can uh, put forward those businesses and ideas that we believe in. Yeah. And, and, and I would add that help and enhance our community. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, very important that we do that because, you know, the, like you said, the, the lack of capital is so great. You know, it. It's very noticeable now, you know, when you go into the black neighborhoods, you know, not just like America as a whole, but when you go into the black neighborhoods, almost every business in our neighborhoods is owned by other communities. Exactly. You know, and then, you know, when you do have the few black owned businesses, you know, the black baker or the mama pop stores, we always want a discount from them. Right. You know, so it's right. like we want to save money, but we want right. you to lose money. Right. But then we still say we need to support black businesses and we exactly. don't see the contradiction in that. Exactly. You know, so it's like we're fighting so many battles exactly. on so many fronts. Yeah. We got to step our game up in every area. I mean, just, I love the whole Buy Black movement and the whole buy, buy Black initiatives and Buy the Block and all of that. But you got to put your money where your mouth is. 
you know, um, we have to have collective economics. You know, the same principles that we talk about Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa can't be just be, you know, once a year. We got to practice those principles every day of, of every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has to be ingrained in us. It has to be in our DNA. Exactly. Like said. exactly. You know, we have to live which, it out. Which the point you made earlier, that's what other communities do. It's not rocket science in order to how to be successful. Study successful people, study successful societies, study successful cultures and replicate it to, and, and adopt it to, the, to, to your culture. Yep, absolutely. So the Solomon Group, the Lee Will Institute, and what was the, what's the uh, last program you have going on? Right now is Unleash and Launch. Unleash and, launch. Um, and the, the, the last thing I'll add to, I just so I, I practice what I preach. I just bought a franchise called Trans World Business Advisors. Okay. You know, so we bought the Chicago downtown uh, market, and what we do is buy and sell businesses, and we uh, help people get in a franchise. We can franchise any concept, any existing business for a flat fee of fifty five thousand dollars. That's why I bought the franchise so that I can go into into our community and help develop some of these mom and pops that's been a lot around for a long time and they can't grow because, again, not having access to capital, franchising solves that problem so that we can replicate good ideas um, all, over, all over our community. And then we can also introduce low-cost, uh, socially responsible franchises for folks to become business owners immediately. So that's, that's what I'm excited about. That's what we're doing when Unleash. That's what we're doing when Unleash Launch. And that's our my contribution to try to address the wealth gap in our community and address the unemployment uh, unemployment rate and, uh, and uh, try to reduce gun violence. Do you believe that entrepreneurship and money in a black community basically fuels everything else in a black community as far as all of our other institutions? Do you believe that's where it starts? Without question. Without question. I mean, I can't remember what, what, what rap song it is. Money moves everything around me. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's what, where we lack opportunity in our community is, is from my perspective entrepreneurship because you know we have many people in our community who are returning citizens and as a result you know you're not going to be able to work in corporate America you're not going to be able to work in a bank you know so so entrepreneurship is really our only option uh, for a large segment of our population so we have to make sure that we have people in there that have the skills the aptitude and the resources to be able to address that 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 situation that exists in our community um, for us to be able to turn it around. Otherwise, it's, in my view, it's going to continue to be a downward, downward spiral because you have this whole big group of people who can't get jobs. So we have to create jobs. We have to be job creators. No jobs are going to come in. No, no companies are going to come into our community. That's not, that has not been the history, uh, and that's why these communities continue to decay. So, um, you know, they talk about the national unemployment rate being 4%, while in our communities it's upwards of 20 25 30%. Wow. So, so we have to be able to create jobs, and we have to be able to create wealth in our community. And entrepreneurship, from my view, is the only option that we have. It's, a, it's the only best option that we have. Absolutely. And, you know, it was a lot more entrepreneurs in the early 1900s. Absolutely. In the, 18, the late 1800s after slavery than it is today. And it's, it's kind of crazy to me when you really think about it. You know, like a lot of us really settle. You know, we don't really have, and you know, not necessarily saying everybody is made to be an entrepreneur. Like you say, you can still have a nine to five, yeah. but we still need to create more opportunities to generate income, not only for ourselves and our families, but for others. Yeah, and that, and that to me, that's the key. You know, and to your point, we've we've had an either or strategy. I think we have to have both in, um, because even if you have a job, that's not a legacy. So you can't. When I worked at McDonald's, 
when I just because I was managing counsel at McDonald's or franchise relations officer, whatever my various titles were, when I left that job, I couldn't. It, it was not a given that you know my children would be able to go up to McDonald's and say, "Hey, my daddy was X. I want to be X." That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But if you have a business that you own, your, your your children or your family members can work in that business, and that business can survive you. We need to create generational businesses and generational wealth in our community. It's difficult to do that with a job because it's not an asset that you can pass on. That job dies with you. So um, we need to have a both-and strategy where we focus on people who want to do the corporate thing, who want to do the nine-to-five thing, but then we also need to uh, encourage those and support those who are trying to do the entrepreneurship thing. So what would be a piece of advice you would give yourself? Like if you could go back in the past and you could have a conversation with your younger self, what would you tell yourself? Start as early as possible. Um, Time is your friend. Um, make sure that you are focused on developing yourself. Like I said, read. If you can, it, it, because reading um, allows you to shortcut a lot of mistakes that you would otherwise make. Because you know, if you don't, if you, you, there's only two ways to learn. Either you can do it through trial and error, or you can learn from the mistakes of somebody else. So most of us do things. As a result of trial, trial and that's error. That's how I. That's how I went. Yeah. And and you, you you mess up when there's opportunities for you to learn. Either like you were talking about from a mentor, or if you don't have access to a mentor, a book can be your mentor. A podcast that we're like we're doing can be your mentor. A YouTube video. Take opportunities to learn to try to prevent yourself from making mistakes. Be a be a a, a student of life. Be a student of business. And for me, um, it's about understanding. Again, you can't do this by yourself. You know, to whom much is given, much is owed. You got to give back. You got to um, look for uh, people to, to partner with. And you got to look for people that you can learn from. You know, you got to surround yourself and always be in a continuous learning environment. If you're the smartest dude in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, you are, you're a combination of your five closest friends. And if you don't like where you are, look at the people that you hang around with and say you need to step your game up or you need to elevate, you know, the people that you hang with to elevate your mind. It's not that, you know, you, you, you're, you know, cutting people off, but you can't get to where you want to be if you don't know anybody that's there, just like directions. Yep. <laughs> if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. Yep. If you don't see somebody that's doing something that you want to be doing five, 10, 15 years from now, then it's going to be a lot harder for you to get there. Absolutely, Robert. So how can we contact all of these movements you got going on? How can we find more information about them? Um, hit me. The best way is to hit me on my email or my cell, uh, rjohnson at Solomon Group. INT.com. My cell is 312-925-4579. 312-925-4579. Or go to the website, uh, Solomon Group, INT.com. Perfect. And is there anything else you would like to add to any aspiring entrepreneurs out there listening? Keep the faith and make sure that you uh, support. Um, other entrepreneurs in your journey as well because a lot of us again we we get tunnel vision and we focus on what it is that we're trying to do but we don't necessarily look at what other folks who are out there doing stuff like you how we can support them as we're doing what we do so you know it's about creating a a network of entrepreneurs if you're um, you know a consultant like I am and you got an opportunity to hire a brother like you to you know uh, to uh, provide the services that you provide we got to always be 
practicing what we preach. So you can't expect somebody to, to patronize you if you're not patronizing us. So um, keep that in mind. And then the other thing I would say is um, take calculated risks because in order to grow, you got to take some risk. And being an entrepreneur is um, is a challenge. You know, you got to learn to, as they say, uh, smile on a roller coaster. It's up and down, but you just smile all the way through and uh, pray. <laughs> I can't, I can't uh, emphasize that. We, we haven't talked about faith, but uh, that is another, another huge component yes, that, it is. that I think uh, I didn't appreciate when I was younger in terms of how much you just got to believe. Um, and lastly, I will say is try to spend a lot of time figuring out what your why is. And once you figure out what your why is, stay true to that and only surround yourself with people who believe what you believe and you know you're gonna have haters you're gonna have naysayers but if it's your why the universe is obligated to provide you with that which you seek if you're operating in your true why and so we don't take a lot enough time reflecting about what is it that you can contribute what is what is your why what is your purpose why were you put on this planet um, I submit is to it's not just for your own benefit but it's for the benefit of others and figure out how you can take your gift talents treasure and, and benefit other people. Yeah, I read a devotional um, yesterday, and it said the best way to serve God is to serve others with your talents, your time, and your energy. That's right. And that's basically exactly what you just saw. I'm done yeah. with that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, it's about adding value. You know, you get paid, and your life is reflective of the amount of value that you give. If you don't give any value in your life, it's not said that you're not worth anything, but you won't get a lot of the things that you might otherwise be uh, in a position to get if you're not giving. Powerful words, Dr. Robert Johnson. Thank you for joining me again. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the first installment of Mogul Motivation Monday Conversation. We're going to be doing it every other week. Please continue to listen in to the podcast every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Mogul Motivation is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. And visit our website at www.mogulmotivation.com. Until next time, stay enthused, keep working, and imagine reality.